0: Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you here. As promised, now that the series in Milwaukee is finally and mercifully concluded, I'm going to do the unofficial second half, and yes, I know... For the handful of people on Twitter who like to educate me about how many games are actually played in a baseball season and what the true halfway mark is, I know, I know, we all know, but it is indeed the unofficial second half after the All-Star break and I actually wanted to do this, whatever you want to call it, final stretch preview after the Brewers series, basically because I suspected what was going to happen happened, but I didn't know which way it would go. They played well in three of the four games, but they lost three of the four games. And at this point of the season, the, you know, hey, they, they were toss up games, could have gone either way. That stuff, as much as it's interesting to note about individual players, it, you, you stop hanging your hat on that in terms of can the team go on a run. Now, look, I'll, I'll be the first to say, and everybody knows this about me, but it's at least worth admitting out loud every once in a while and, and talking about it. Like, of course, I will be the first person to be 100% happy to eat my words uh, if the Rockies go on some kind of miracle run and make the postseason this year, right? Furthermore, I'll say that, you know, I, I saw people throwing around the uh, fan graphs playoff odds, statistic and that might be one of the most useless statistics in all of sports Uh, you know it's if it was kept in proper context those kinds of things would be fine but it is on its face an absurd thing to say that Any team that isn't mathematically eliminated right now has a 0% chance of making the postseason. Because no, they don't. That's just not accurate. That's not what those words mean. Mini rant here. But one of the worst things that the analytics community has done to themselves is one of the same things that was problematic about a lot of the traditional stats, which is naming them poorly and explaining them poorly. And so... If you understand that it doesn't literally mean that, you know, any team that has a look, if you've got an 86% chance of making the postseason and then you don't make the postseason, what does that even mean? As it turned out, you didn't, you know, it's. It's a very strange statistic. If you understand what it's trying to measure and that it's you know running through probabilities and what it means is that they ran a bunch of simulations of the season and in none of them did the Rockies make the postseason, but that's not how reality works. Anyway, <laughs> beyond that. So that's, that's not why I'm here telling you it's not going to happen. Right. That's not the point. And while it is still very much in the realm of the physically possible, <laughs> it is it is not it wouldn't require an actual miracle of the heavens for the Rockies to make the postseason at this point. It is an incredible long shot, even if they play very well down the stretch. They basically needed to win out going into the trade deadline in order for it to make sense for them to add anything to the team, which I do think was a possibility at some point, honestly. And, and, you know, there are people out there who would say this is terrible management or it's terrible to not have a plan. And, you know, I don't agree that being flexible means that you don't have a plan. I don't agree that having a stringent set of bullet point beliefs and then operating that way means that you're necessarily doing anything better. You know, somebody said to me on Twitter the other day, and it's funny because I think most analysts wouldn't put it this simply, but oftentimes they ultimately are saying the exact same thing. This person said to me, if your team is bad, you have to get rid of your good players which is just so oversimplified and something that I think has really gotten out of hand, especially in the game of baseball, this idea that if you're not buying, then you should be selling. If you're not selling, then you should be buying. Anyone who's standing still is a failure. And uh, I just find this mentality to be, one, uh, incredibly off-putting just on its face, and two, remarkably not successful. You know, And and I've talked about that a lot before, about how there are a lot of teams that are just spinning their wheels and constantly rebuilding for three years from now. And then you get three years down the line and they're rebuilding for the next three years, right? And so the conversation around this time of year gets really strange. And I actually intend to ask Bud Black about this tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to be at the ballpark today, but down there tomorrow, I want to go and ask him about... The evolution of the trade deadline and the way it has become such an enormous event and and how do teams and players really, you know, try to block out the noise or embrace the noise or do whatever and, you know, the the guys who, you know, want to go and play for a contender and the guys who are more than happy to play for the team that they're on and this whole strange dynamic, right? Because it's become like the most important day of the calendar during the season and we tend to make it out as though the people who win at the deadline, whether that's buyers or sellers, you know, we, we judge front offices so much based off of this moment in time. And so I think there are a lot of people out there who believe that, well, as that person on Twitter was saying to me, if you're not, if you're like the Rockies are now, you're nine, 10 games under, they're nine right now, that anything that you have that's of value that might not be around, that isn't signed for an incredibly long time, you should get rid of. And while there's some logic to that, it's simply not the only way to look at the question. And I think being flexible enough to say, you know, if we're right around 500, we actually might want to add, but if we're 10 games under, we might want to sell, but not dramatically so. Not to the extent that, you know, we we feel the need to get rid of everybody on the team who has value. And while you may be punting on the next two months in certain regards, and I'll give you the perfect example of a move that I think the Rockies should make that makes them immediately less good. Like, again, I, I want to have a more realistic conversation here. I know there are going to be a lot of people over the next couple of days yelling and screaming about CJ Krohn and Daniel Bard. And again, I'll go back to the difference between possible and probable, right? Is it possible those guys get traded? Sure. Is it probable? Absolutely not. And so I don't want to waste your time with a ton of conversation about Daniel Bard and and CJ Krohn because this is the exact situation the Rockies are in is trying to convince themselves, whether you believe it or not, that they are going to compete next season. That is the directive that Bill Schmidt has given. They are going to try to compete next next season and so while I think there are some people who would accuse me of engaging in magical thinking when I say things like well you got to retool around this guy and that guy maybe make some analytics changes maybe move some coaches around and then go back at it next year and try to compete people like that's absolutely ridiculous that's never ever ever going to work now they may be right but then when I find I ask these people so well what do you think the Rockies should do The answer is always Dick Monfort should sell the team. The front office should be a completely new front office, and they should spend on analytics just as much as the Dodgers do. And I'm like, okay, yes, I don't disagree with any of that on its face, but it's never going to happen. That's not back here on Earth. Nobody can force Dick Monfort to sell the Rockies and nobody can force him to hire a different GM and to have a different mandate and to rebuild exactly the way you think he should or baseball analysts think he should or a certain book of baseball buying and selling says that he should. The directive is this, compete next year. But that doesn't mean you can't do some things now to try to help you for next year. So again, Trading CJ Krohn and Daniel Bard makes you worse in the immediate and almost certainly makes you worse for next season. A lot of people who are talking about that don't want to admit that. We all admit it makes you worse for the rest of this season, but they don't want to have the conversation about next season because they're ready to punt on three or four years of Rockies baseball. And I think a lot of you listening now and the Rockies themselves are not. A couple of months? Sure. I'm there with them now. Let's punt on a couple of months punt on a couple of years no thank you so what's an example of a move that hurts you for the rest of this year but not necessarily in the long term and that would be trading Jose Iglesias right Jose Iglesias has been one of the Rockies best consistent hitters Obviously, he doesn't bring the power. And in today's game, that means that your OPS plus and your WAR and those kinds of things aren't going to be very high. But he's basically been a 300 hitter all year, which is still a value. I don't care what anybody says about batting average. It still matters. And most importantly, and we've talked about this before, he hits on the road. The most important skill that you can have As a Rockies hitter, unless you're hitting 40 plus home runs in a year, the best thing that you can do as a member of the Rockies offense is hit well on the road because they struggle so, so much to get offensive production on the road. And while his defense has been very troubling to me at times, it's been a lot better lately and it's not a disaster by any means. And it's not what you would maybe think you would get out of, say, a quadruple A player or someone who's just taken up a spot, right? But if you trade Jose Iglesias right now, your team gets worse because he's been hitting so well, especially. You probably got to have Hampson there for the rest of the year. He's been fine, but really has never really you know, broken out in any kind of way. Maybe you call on a guy like Alan Trejo. Maybe you go immediately to Ezekiel Tovar, but that, that's the, the key piece, right? Is that the Rockies have this potential superstar prospect who's just been absolutely phenomenal this year in the minor leagues and with the bat where he's been a known commodity defensively for a while has Ezekiel Tovar and so you can play out the rest of the season with Hampson and Trejo and just kind of whoever Manning shortstop and that makes you worse for the rest of this year but then you've got options in the offseason whether it's signing another vet like Iglesias if you're not sure Tovar's quite ready or or go on the route like they have at that position in the past, like they did with Trevor Story back in 2016, and and going with the young kid and seeing what you can do there and, and spending your resources in other places. And I've mentioned before how I don't think any of these guys are going to net the Rockies a ton of prospects one way or the other. Uh, even honestly, I don't think Daniel Bard is a move that you can make, and it's going to you know, completely restock your farm system with the return for Daniel Bard, probably even Bard and Crone. I don't think you're taking your farm system from whatever ranking people think they are to five ten steps higher like i don't I don't think that's really possible, right, but there are little things that you can do here around the margins to give yourselves an opportunity, especially in key positions where. You think shortstop can be a position of strength for you moving forward. You need more starters. You need pitchers. You just need more pitchers. But starters, relievers, everybody. You you found an ability to sign hitters, to grow hitters, to get hitters. But pitchers are a a hot commodity for this team. They need to be able to get some. So that would be an interesting one as well. The other one that I've talked about plenty of times, Colomain. Colomay is a guy who you trade him, your bullpen gets immediately worse. And that stinks because it's already rough going out there, right? you already only got a couple of guys. Gilbreth has really turned it around. Daniel Bard continues to be absolutely phenomenal. But after that, you're not super excited about your bullpen. So that makes you much worse in an area that's already costing you. But I don't think Colomay is going to resign with the team next year. Uh, I, you know, I think he's proven himself. He's likely to, to go somewhere else. He's on the one-year deal. He is getting up there in age. I have less of a belief that he's going to continue to be able to pitch well than I do that Daniel Bard could be able to continue to pitch well. And so you can trade him. And then in the offseason, though, you do need to go out and find a replacement. But that was already, I mean, that's just more of what they need to do, right? They need to retool that bullpen desperately. They need a lot of new relievers. And not to spend a ton of money on it, but a lot of new relievers <laughs> is what they need out there. So, you know, and then, and then there are some other guys who are kind of on the cusp. Uh, you know, Chad Cool and uh, Jose Aranya, Bud Black came out, I think it was today, on MLB Network Radio and said that the team wants to sign those two guys. That makes perfect sense to me. Uh, again, this is the kind of thing where I feel like I don't know if people are inflating the value. Like, last year, people definitely inflated the value of Trevor Story. I still get the question of, like, why didn't the Rockies trade Trevor Story for a slew of all-star prospects? It's like, because that wasn't an option. That wasn't available. Trevor was playing poorly, and he was hurt. And he still isn't hitting especially well, by the way. that that Those elbow issues continue to look like they're issues. And the vast majority of his wins above replacement this season have have come from his defense. I'd have to double-check, but last I looked about a week ago, he was still a below-league-average hitter in the 90s with his OPS+. And so the league knew that. And you're not going to get... A a team isn't going to give up on their future for that, right? So you've got to ask yourself, and all of these questions, and this is one of the reasons why... You know, I don't write about it as much. I'll talk about it on the show, on the podcast, because we can go through and have a number of different perspectives. But one of the reasons it's difficult to write about trades is because when you say, so-and-so should be traded, like I, I just did, I'll go back to the example. Jose Iglesias should be traded. The other side of that is, for what? And who is the team acquiring him? And why? Because that is at least half of the puzzle. And a team acquiring Jose Iglesias knows they're getting a great contact hitter and a great clubhouse presence and a solid defender at shortstop. But do they need that? And how much do they need that? They might like to have that, but not so much that they're going to give you a top pitching prospect. They might part with a a bullpen arm and double A who's having a good year as maybe their 24th ranked prospect. And I'd take that, especially if he's a lefty. But you know, the, those are the kinds of deals that we're looking at here. So when I saw kind of today a little bit of a collective gigantic sigh and eye-rolling at the idea that the Rockies aren't going to trade Chad Cool and Jose Urania, and I just want to ask these folks, but you can't do this on Twitter because it always comes off more hostile than you mean it to, but what do you think the Rockies are going to get for Chad, cool. He's having a nice season. I promise you the other general managers in baseball and the one here, they're not idiots, folks. They do stuff that makes us scratch our heads sometimes. And if—and I'll tell you this, nine times out of ten, when a GM does something that makes you go, why in the world would they make a deal like that? It's because the owner told them to and it had something to do with money. <laughs> so that's almost always the case. But... These guys know that while Chad Cool's having a very nice season, they're not acquiring Jacob friggin' Degrom, right? They're not. They're not going to unload two or three quality prospects for Chad Cool or Jose Urania, who's had four nice starts and one bad one, and a career before that of being mostly, blah. You know, Urania a month ago was a guy trying to hang on for an MLB job and now the Rockies are fools if they don't trade him for what if Jose Urania turns out to be and it's funny I uh I actually said I, I didn't put a ton of thought into this tweet it was one of those ones I send out through the end of games I'm just listing you know CJ Krohn with a three RBI day you know Kyle Freeland seven innings pitch seven strikeouts you know how great was that right and I, and I throw out this kind of stuff and on one of Urania's, like his third start or something, I said, hey, Jose Urania might be a thing. And that was it. I mean, talk about a, a low-level <laughs> attachment to a piece of analysis. He might be a thing. I really went out on a limb on that one. But sure enough, the guy has one bad start. Someone comes at me on Twitter going, oh, Mr. Jose the thing Urania, what about now? I was like, we, that's the whole point, man. <laughs> We don't know. We really don't know. But if Urania is a thing, and by a thing, by the way, I mean a guy who belongs in big in the big leagues at most, you know, a guy who can take the ball every five days and you as a fan base aren't going, Oh brother, you know, here we go with this guy. If he's taking the ball and you're like, hey, you know, if he's pitched how he mostly has this year, we got a chance to win today. Th- that's all, right? For a fourth or fifth starter who belongs. And now in order to do that at Coors Field, or as a member of the Rockies who has to pitch half of your games at Coors Field, that is more difficult to do. And it's particularly more difficult to do when it's your first time dealing with that dynamic. So that's why I looked a little more intently at what Urania is doing. And that's why the Rockies are saying, we might want to re-sign this guy. And I saw some people going, I can't believe they're out here saying they want to re-sign Chad Cool and Jose Urania when they couldn't bother to sign John Gray. Folks, those are not the same thing. Chad Cool and Jose Urania are not going to get paid $12 to $14 million a year because they haven't produced at that level yet. These guys are. Incredibly valuable commodities to the Rockies because they eat up a bunch of innings. They don't get blown up very often. We've seen a couple from Cool, like I mentioned, the one from Urania. So we'll find out. Maybe Urania just had three nice starts and he won't even be on the team next year. He'll get blown up the rest of the year. But if he has a good finish to the season, that's exactly the kind of guy the Rockies need to find and put in their organization Jorge De La Rosa came from nowhere to end up being the Rockies' second best pitcher in their franchise history after being bad in like three or four other cities until he was 27, 28 years old. Then he comes to Colorado and finds himself. Those are the types of things they need to be on the lookout for because they're never going to acquire the guy who's already a star pitcher, right? Right? Now, I don't think Urena is going to become a star, but I think he's got a decent chance to be solid rotational depth. And unfortunately for the Rockies, Peter Lambert and Ryan Rollison, and even further down than that, guys like Helcris Oliveras and Chris McMahon, like, have all had these injury problems. And there's a lot of talent there in the four names I just mentioned. And as far as we know, all of them could be healthy next year and all of them can contribute. But the fact that they haven't been able to yet means, yeah, the Rockies need more guys. Like Urania and Cool, not fewer. And look, if they had to pay them ten million dollars a year to keep them, I would say that's no, that's silly. Trade them off, you know, and get what you can. But that's not the case. That's not. These guys are going to be incredibly reasonably priced, valuable starting pitching depth that the Colorado Rockies have been in desperate need of for roughly thirty years. Now you need the guys above them to do better. You need Marquez to get his mojo back. You need Freeland to figure some things out, Sanzatella, all that. Maybe you even look into acquiring one more of a top three type of guy in the offseason. But that's a different type of trade. That's a different type of free agency. That's a different question and different problem than the one that's in front of us here today, right? But what do we know about what the Rockies have and can used to their advantage next season. And I think that's the big disconnect between the way the Rockies are covered by most media and the conversations I see around them with the fans about how they should sell versus the Rockies thinking in how they should sell. And we'll find out what they do here in a few days. I think it's a week from now as I'm talking if they they make any moves. And I suspect they'll make at least one. They almost always make one like low-level move at the very least that... No, doesn't really <laughs> uh, register on the radar very much. But it's time to start handing, and I know people have wanted it earlier, but it's time now to start handing more at-bats to Montero, giving more starts, I would even say, to Ryan Feltner, who's looked up and down, but you got to find out. You got to know. Uh, maybe even rushing Tovar up. You know, that, that's very much, it depends on the individual. But if you think he might be ready or close to ready, as long as you think it wouldn't destroy his confidence, and I just don't see that, maybe just call up Ezekiel Tovar now and let him get his feet wet and, and let Rocky's fans have something to dream on and, and, and look at and, and be hopeful for in the future. Because I I think that if you inject a guy like that, a few more things from the, the minor league systems, you have a strong off season. they can turn around and compete next year. And so this idea of tearing it all down just because it's what's standard. And, you know, bookmark this one. We'll see if it ends up being the case. But CJ, here's what I'll say to you as my final point on this, philosophically speaking. I think there's a much higher chance that CJ Krohn is the cornerstone of a postseason team next year and Daniel Bard is the anchor of a postseason bullpen next year than it is that Dick Monfort sells the team anytime in the next five or six years. And unless what you really, really want is for the Rockies to embrace a philosophy they've never embraced and be bad on purpose for the next four years. Trading those guys doesn't make any sense. They're valuable to your team next year. These other guys, maybe not so much. But if that is the route you're going to go, the, the flip side of it is the part where I will hold their feet to the fire a little bit. I mean, not in, in any kind of real way, but at least in terms of my analysis, is... Then you have to embrace a future forward thinking mentality for the rest of the year, which means playing the young guys, being okay, maybe getting a little bit more aggressive with some of these prospects than you would have been in the past, making a couple of moves. If it's not Cronin Bard, and I don't think it should be, move Colomé Iglesias and Grichik, you know, be willing to eat some of that contract. We'll see what they do, but the reality is upon them now. And there's really nothing that says you can't go on a run with those guys anyway for people still holding out hope. But the final part of the season here, as much as it's, you know, would be tempting to go through each game left on the schedule and each series and say, can they win this one? Can they, can they do that? It's, it's not going to be about winning and losing games and series. It's going to be about the performance of individual key players. And I'm going to get more in in detail on highlighting each one of those players. In fact, that sounds like a really great article to write to, to say, here are the players that matter most, not for the rest of this season, quite frankly, But if the Rockies are going to do what I was talking about earlier, which is try to turn around and compete next year, and you know, preview for the article that I'm already starting to write in my head, and I mentioned it earlier, Marquez and Freeland have really got to take some steps forward. We've got to see good stuff out of them down the stretch. A young player needs to emerge, whether that's Montero looking like, yeah, he belongs, or if it is Tovar getting up there, if it's heck i'll take jake bird like son, there needs to be a guy who is a rookie who finishes the season with us going okay i like that so these are going to be the key things to watch out for like i said i'll do the article look for that on milehighsports.com otherwise make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts here on the mile high sports podcast network and continuing to just be absolutely awesome out there you all know that i will continue to be absolutely drew creaseman in here and until next time i will see you Tá bom